Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Sunday, July 9th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Almost Podcast. Take graphs coming to you on a Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, a little weird this week um, with the schedule, but the holiday and my whole schedule and calendar got kind of uh, wonky all week long. So uh, Take Graphs, the Major League Baseball show with Fangraph's own John Taylor uh, coming to you a little bit late this week, but uh, I want to make sure we got this out this week because it was, uh, it was a lot of fun uh, always talking all things Major League Baseball, talk about the Major League trade deadline, why it's probably going to be pretty quiet uh, this year, the White Sox a little bit, uh, why, uh, who are rather uh will be nl sellers this year um at the trade deadline talk about the marlins and yuri perez we talked about um the red sox for a little bit we talked about the biggest all-star snubs um this cycle and then the poor los angeles angels just getting killed with the injury bug with anthony rendon mike trout and shohei otani so all that and more coming up on the major league baseball show here on the chase thomas podcast with van zone john taylor uh also got some news taping this on a sunday and the chase podcast.com website it's live full-on redesign everything's new everything's awesome uh go check that out bookmark it if you have not already check out all the different pages full lineups for the daily show because we are an everyday show so if this is your first time listening guess what if you want some more information everything you possibly want uh for this very show go check it out our story how we've built what we're trying to do and uh as we build out this awesome team and just all kinds of great content all across the board each and every day um and just very very thankful that uh i was able to work with some awesome people and uh get this thing going um both with the podcast with the graphic design with um what we're building here just a lot a lot of awesome people um involved in the process of uh just making the chase almost podcast work um and I appreciate you guys for tuning in each and every day here on the program. If you're a subscriber, uh, if not, make sure if you like today's episode, check us out on your preferred podcast player and hit that subscribe button, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever. Um, daily show, new content each and every day. Um, so please, if you like today's episode, make sure you're you're locked in there. Also, look, um, you know what I'm about to say 
you're already a subscriber and you're a fan of the show and you haven't already done so, first tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Thomas podcast and why you like it, why you think they would like it too. That would be great. And then also hit that pause button right now and leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that's how you're listening. Helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow. So if you could take care of that today for me as we continue growing this show out, each and every day. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, YouTube, YouTube, Soren, full episodes, clips, shorts, all the good stuff on the YouTube channel. If you want to check that out as well, if you're into the video stuff, uh, youtube.com slash chase almost podcast, like, and subscribe. But yeah, really, really excited about the website relaunch and what it looks like and what we've built there and, uh, where we can go with that because, um, just, just awesome awesome people helping me out um to launch that and get that going and making sure we have we're just we're building and uh little by little and couldn't do without all the awesome people in my life and people i get to work with each and every day so um there you go chase thomas podcast on a sunday uncle darren let's go chase thomas podcast the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to another episode of the chase thomas podcast where i'm still the aforementioned chase thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee everything school hq in the future home of first ballot hall of famer bryce harper this off season we love to see it like i we're killing it in the transfer portal but look it's contagious tennessee baseball is contagious you know it captured the nation's heartstrings the last two years john taylor and if there is one player who uh manifested what the 2022 tennessee volunteer vaughn Vi- or vol villains better than bryce harper find them for me because there isn't anyone better who is more equipped to be a bryce harper or be a tennessee volunteer than bryce harper we never got to see it maybe now we'll see him at games maybe now bryce harper and i will be able to chit chat about hey when are you ready to make that trade like eddie rosario is having a good uh june here but that final piece of the outfield puzzle bryce that's you you've got left field written all over it bryce harper ronald acuna Michael Harris the second, I can start putting in work because Bryce Harper is going to be a Knoxvillian in the most random baseball story in a really long time, John Taylor. How are you? I like that you've managed to talk yourself into this to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... Look, I, 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 I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. You've, you've got to. You have to talk yourself into it. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to convince yourself that you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think Bryce Harper is only there for. Wait, what? What exactly does one move to to Tennessee for? I'm well. Hold on. Everyone has their own things. He may be a big Tennessee River guy. He might like uh, the culture. Like most guys, like when I thought I was like, they probably got it mixed up when I first saw the story. He's going to Nashville. Like I could see Bryce Harper in Nashville. I was like, I could. But then it's like. Bryce Harper doesn't drink. He's not a partier. Remember clown question, bro? Like he's yeah. not, he's not about that. So it's like, maybe Nashville's not the right spot. He's from Vegas. So he's got the desert. So it's not, I'm just trying to parse through like why maybe it's just income tax. Maybe he just, because there's no state income tax. Maybe that's why I'm, um, I don't know what the reason is a hundred percent. I mean, it's a great college town. I love yep. living here in that regard and great university. Maybe he wants to work with Tony Vitello in the off season. Who knows? 
he watched Drew Gilbert tape the last two years and was like, that's my, um, that's my dude. That man just personifies my intensity and uh, approach to every single at bat. I don't know, but I really feel like there's not like, I love the city, but like, he's going to pop up at these games. Like if he's here, he's going to pop up in February. Like there's just going to be Bryce Harper at a random Tennessee baseball game, just walking around with his family. It's just going to be very strange. Like Bryce Harper living in Knoxville, Tennessee is, I'm not kidding. One of the weirdest stories uh, in a long time. I, I kind of just want to let this rest of this podcast just be you talking about the various things Bryce Harper can do in Tennessee and how he's going to spend his time. I just, I don't know. I don't know the guy. And I just, I, I don't know what he, uh, I don't know. I, I really couldn't tell you what you gotta. Uh, you, you gotta. You guys gotta get one of those um, pedal bar things. What is it with the, the stupid? We actually just got him the trolley, the drunk trolleys or whatever. Yeah, that they use. That they're they're like the plague of all the streets in Nashville. So you, you guys yeah. gotta ride around on one of those. I think. But it's, see, I don't think he's gonna do that. Thing. I don't know what he's gonna do, but I don't. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. But welcome, Bryce, and uh, he's moving a little bit closer to fulfilling the prophecy of becoming the Atlanta Braves starting left fielder uh before it's all said and done when he exits his prime because that's always something i've wanted i've wanted bryce as a brave for a really long time very pro bryce harper on this program john we could talk all things bryce in knoxville but we're not going to do that we're we're not gonna do that there's a lot of baseball we need to talk about but first it's time for america's favorite segment take graphs take of the week you've had we were off last week we were john you've had some time to stew on this one you've killed the cardinals dead They're i don't dead. know who you're gonna kill this week but i'm excited to to find out who is on the john taylor take graphs hit list uh there's no one in particular on the take graphs hit list i think mm. well, that's the thing about this this point in the season it feels like we know pretty well with the exception of you know there's only gonna be one or two teams in the second half that kind of go nuts mm. we, we have a pretty good idea now of who's good you know what yeah. i mean like it's not exactly i don't think i'm going out on any limb to say like the braves are the best team in baseball for example or about to find out ray series this weekend it's going to be big we now have the braves by the way projected to win 103 games and to win the division by 15 (laughs) games or so um somewhere around that neighborhood it's fun man 12 to 15 range i'm having a good time yeah, this is, look, I mean, if again, this is why, you know, and everyone coming into the season, it's like, why why bet against the Braves? It doesn't matter how much money Steve Cohen spends. It doesn't matter what Dave Dombrowski does with the Phillies. It doesn't matter how many ludicrously good pitchers the Marlins have. It, it just, as long as that team as currently constructed exists, you just don't bet against it. Um, is this your take that the Braves are inevitable? Well, the Braves are inevitable, but no, that doesn't, that's not much of a take, really, is mm-hmm. it? That's, that feels pretty like, yeah, that's that's kind of the reality. Uh, my take is now that we're getting into first the all-star break and then obviously the trade deadline right after i think this is going to be a pretty big bust of a trade deadline Hmm. that's that's my take i really don't see this deadline being one with either a ton of movement Hmm. or with any kind of blockbuster juan soto max scherzer you know big name type deal like Hmm. those guys for start i think let's let's start here when you look at the number of teams currently in contention in some capacity or another, or at least you know, let's let's go by our playoff odds, you have uh, you have all the teams that are currently in AL postseason spots. I believe have postseason odds of about sixty percent or better. I think the Orioles are 
kind of the laggards there at 57 percent, but that's just because our projections like them a tiny bit less than the blue jays and the yankees mm-hmm. you know then after that you have the mariners the angels the guardians and the red Sox, which are just kind of the four kind of floater teams right now where you know their playoff odds are somewhere between uh 10 and 20 percent or 10 and 30 percent rather uh the guardians are uh, the best playoff odds of that group at 27 percent they're two games behind minnesota in the in the al central i think it's pretty safe to say that you know the al playoff field is going to be the rays one of the twins or guardians out of the central one of the rangers or astros out of the west and then some combination of or some grouping of the yankees orioles blue jays the loser of the al west and you know, maybe, you know, one of those floater teams gets a little hot, but that that's pretty much it. So we're looking at three guaranteed playoff teams, uh, four more who should be in the running for a wild card, and maybe we get another one. May, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, like I said, Cleveland is in there too. But on the other side of it, you look at the teams that are just done, done, and done. Uh, Chicago, the White Sox, the Tigers, the Royals, the Athletics, all of them have playoff odds under 5% right now. Mm-hmm. White Sox are the leaders at 3%. There's not a lot of thing of players to be sold on any four of those teams. Um, the A's obviously have nothing left at this point. The Royals, I, we, I, th- I feel like we need a well, weekly the Royals segment. Did say, they did make a trade. They did. did they did. did. For some reason, they gave up one of the best relievers available on the market for a 25-year-old guy, <laughs> for a 25-year-old failed starter who has a who has an ERA of like six because they're just a dumb 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 franchise it doesn't know what it's doing at any given point in time so uh, that's part of it too the tigers have you know i i think eddie rodriguez is almost certainly going to be dealt um i think that that feels like a pretty safe bet although his first start back off the injured list against the a's was a disaster he doesn't have that much time left to show that he is healthier productive so if it's not eddie rodriguez i'm not really sure what if anything detroit has to offer the white Sox are kind of the wild card i think will pop up you think so I think I I think the Tigers are just anything's on the table for the Tigers. Okay, but I but the, I think the thing is, if you were to say the Tigers are sellers beyond Eddie Rodriguez, I I just don't really see much. Mm. You know, I don't know they're not going to be able to talk anyone into Javier Baez. You know, I I don't really see what value they get out of dealing guys like Matt Vierling or Zach McKinstry or yeah. uh, any of their other semi-productive semi-regulars. You know, th- those are not guys who are going to do anything for that team as it stands. The White Sox are probably the AL team with the most to offer in a selling capacity, aside from possibly Boston. But given how Bloom did the last trade deadline, I have no, absolutely no clue what Boston's going to do this time around because they are in a very similar position of being a roughly 500 team with no real path to the playoffs, but you know not in a real tanking position either. Uh, the White Sox at least have both Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito, and maybe if he's healthy, Liam Hendricks as options to move. I don't know that. Hold on, are you not that- mentioning Tim Anderson here? Because I think Tim Anderson's in the fold. I think Tim Anderson has maybe played his way out of being traded because he's been so awful. Mm. You know, I don't really know what another team is is expecting to get there from a guy who's been bad defensively, bad with the bad with the stick, cannot stay healthy. You know, I I, I think if you're if you're a team looking for shortstop help, you're probably looking at Tim Anderson only as only for the cheapest possible price. Well, the three uh, I, options I saw in the Athletic uh, a few weeks ago was the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Marlins. I think the Marlins make a lot of sense as a buy low. Like that is the Marlins. I think would be fun for him. I could see that, but either way, I, I I don't really see you know for I guess better said there are four teams I think are guaranteed to be sellers. You have four yeah. others who may float in there somewhere, but I think you know we'll see. 
And then on the NL side, you have here are your other guaranteed sellers on the NL side: the Nationals, the Pirates, or eh, maybe not the Pirates, but we'll see. The Nationals, the Rockies are guaranteed sellers, although it's the Rockies. They don't ever knows. sell, really. They just sit. They <laughs> just sit. So yeah. you know, I, I'm pretty sure the Cardinals are going to sell. I mean, they're 16 games under 500. They're 13 games out of the division. Our playoff odds for them are literally 4.8 percent. But you like, know, what is selling for them? Would they move Goldschmidt? That, are they really? But that's the thing. There's not, I think it's Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery, and maybe Jordan Hicks. What is Jack Flaherty bringing you right now? That's the thing. And, and again, like you look at the other sellers. The Nationals are going to be sellers. What do they have to offer? You know, what are you know if the if the Cubs decide to sell? Okay, they can put Marcus Stroman up uh, and make him available. Maybe there's some lesser bats on that roster there they could move. But again, I I, I don't really see either the marquee player or mm. the market necessary to kind of start generating. Again, we have, by my count, six, six, maybe seven guaranteed sellers, depending on what you want to do with the Rockies, maybe make it eight with the Cubs. And then again, as with the AL, I think there's some teams kind of stuck in the middle. Uh, the Mets, the, I guess you could count the Cubs and the Pirates as part of that. Although I don't think, I, I don't, I especially don't think the Pirates will be buying, but I, I just don't really see them selling either unless someone for some reason wants to give them a lot of money for, or a lot of something for Carlos Santana. Uh, the Padres, mm. I, I don't see the Mets or Padres give. If anything, I see the Padres doubling down, and I think maybe similarly mm. with the Mets, but I don't see them throwing the towel and becoming sellers. Uh, I, maybe the most flex team in there is the Brewers. You know, on the one hand, they're only two games back in the NL Central. We have them projected, we have them and the Reds projected both to finish with 83 wins, so it's pretty much a, a more or less a, a dead heat there. Um, Reds have a slightly tougher schedule going going forward, but, you know, as we saw last year when they traded Josh Hader, they're not above moving guys if they feel like, you know, they can get it, something worthwhile for them, and it's a guy like Hader who they just were not going to keep under any circumstances. I just don't know if we're there enough for them to move Corbin Burns, which I think would be mm. the big one. So I know I've mentioned him a couple times previously as a guy. Look out if the Brewers decide to sell. But, you know, I, I think they're close enough in the race that it doesn't really make any sense for them to do that, especially because, you know, I, I don't see the path for the Brewers to making the postseason. Uh, and, you know, for them, as with the AL Central, it's win the division or, or, or bust. You know, there's no But they chance. also did it last year. Like they yes. moved Hater last year at this exact time. I guess you could call that a soft sell. I mean, maybe that's the thing. I think what we're going to get instead of, you know, a bunch of teams being like, raid our rosters, please, is a lot of soft buying mm. and selling. Because, you mm. know, there's, there are, there's, uh, the, the teams that are guaranteed contenders, mo- most of them have already locked up, if not, if not playoff spots, in some cases, divisions. I think the Rays are pretty safe. I think the Braves have pretty much figured out the, the NL East. Um, you know, you can, and then the other the other divisions I think are all close enough, but really only close between two teams: the Twins and the Guardians in the AL Central, the Rangers and the Astros in the AL West, the Brewers and the Reds in the NL Central. And I guess in in the NL West, it's three teams: the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Giants. With the Padres kind of hanging around on the edges, but more likely than not to end up a wild card team if they do make the playoffs. Mm. Um, I think, but I think everyone is pretty well set in terms of you know kind of where they are in the standings. You know, you look at the, you look at the wild card races right now. Toronto is a game and a half out of the final wild card spot in the AL behind Baltimore, Houston, and New York. But then the next closest team is Boston, which is four games back. The Angels, who just lost Mike Trout for the next two months, are four games back. The Mariners are five games back, and these teams are all. And the the Guardians are there too. These teams are all floating around five hundred. Again, I think they're in a soft buy, soft sell situation where they're going to kind of go into the deadline flexible because. 
you know, they're within distance of a wild card spot. But again, our playoff odds don't really, you know, think they're roughly a, a 25% shot, the great majority of those teams to do anything. Similarly, in the National League, uh, you have the Giants and the Brewers more or less tied. Uh, the Giants more or less tied with the, with the Phillies for the last wild card spot. Milwaukee, a ga- uh, half game behind them. But then it's another six. It's six games back for San Diego. And really, I know San Diego's won three straight. I know the peripherals look a lot better for them than what they've played. But, you know, that is not a small amount of... of of time to or a small amount of games to make up then followed but by if there the, was a team that had the talent to do that san diego's near yes the top of i mean list. yeah i mean you you feel i think you feel better about them than you would about the mets who are in a who are six and yes. a half games back but have looked very up and down and then a cubs team i think similar to san diego that has better numbers than their record indicates but at the same time you know again i i think of that of that trio san diego chicago the, and the and the mets i think chicago is more likely a seller and i think sandy Di- i think again san diego and the mets are probably soft buyers looking to see what happens but again i really only see eight guaranteed sellers right now and at least half of them don't really have anything to offer anymore um i, sh- I say eight i probably should have said seven because again i don't think pittsburgh sells i just don't think they buy either i think they stand pat you know so you're really you, you know if you're if you're a buyer you're hoping that the White Sox make Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn available, and I feel like they kind of have to. There's no reason for the White Sox to do anything other than try to... Although, and, and this is something we've said over and over again, I don't really understand how the White Sox are going to say, well, this era that Rick Hahn single-handedly tried to make happen is effectively done, so let's let Rick Hahn set up the next era. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's insanity. But regardless, again, Kansas City, nothing to offer. Oakland, nothing to offer. The Nationals, nothing to offer. The Rockies... Who knows? You're really and and from those teams, I think that could be in that sell category: the Cubs, uh, the Cardinals, the White Sox, in particular. They've only really got pitching to offer. Which mm. you know, granted, there will be contenders looking for pitching. I expect Marcus Stroman to be on another team by uh, after the deadline. I expect one of Linergy Alito to be on a different team. I expect Jordan Montgomery, at the very least, to be on a different team. Maybe Flaherty as well. You know, but if I think maybe that's the other part. If you're looking for a bat, you're in a mm. little bit of trouble this deadline because there really is not much. Again, of those sellers, none of those guys really have uh, bats available that I think are going to move the needle one way or the other for anybody. You know, at, at that point, you're probably hoping for one of those potential soft buyers like Boston, like the Angels, like Seattle, just collapse after the break for the, you know, about the week or two between the break, between the end of the All Star break and maybe closer to two and a half, two to three weeks. Uh, to collapse sometime in that time period. I think Boston in particular uh, has some good offense to offer if it comes down to it. Adam Duvall, Justin Turner, uh, you know, guys who are not really part of that team's long-term plans. I think you can probably include Kenley Jansen in that category for those looking for relief help. But again, I I think the ultimate takeaway here is I I don't think this is going to be a very whiz-bang, lots of noise and crazy moves deadline. I think it's going to be a quieter one. uh, And I think the... And because I, and, I think we're, where we're at baseball-wise is this kind of endless sort of kind of parody where, you know, you mm. have your contenders and then you have the creamy middle and then a, a few teams tanking. So we'll see. I'm not sure. You know, I obviously, you know, I, I don't I feel good about my Cardinals prediction early in the season. I nailed that one, yes. obviously, you know, but. I, I just don't get the sense there's going to be a lot happening this deadline, you know? Um, the other fun thing about the deadline, and this is, uh, I don't know if this qualifies as a take or just kind of cackling at a car crash, but um, given how badly Twitter has melted down in the last two weeks, mm-hmm. deadline day is going to be 
either the single funniest day in Major League Baseball history with regards to just the total inability of anyone to figure out what's going on because, and, and this is probably a much, much bigger conversation that I, I don't know if any of your listeners are interested in, but like the future of baseball media, like baseball media bet big on Twitter, mm. you know, as did a whole lot of other media spheres. And with Twitter perpetually crapping its pants and now possibly in the, ve- in the actually maybe really finally in the end days, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how we get news on deadline day. To say nothing of the fact of how easy Twitter has made it for anyone who feels like just having a laugh to create a verified account to start fake trade rumors. I- I'm just going to say this. If you have $800... <laughs> You could you could do the single funniest thing possible on deadline day, create fifty Ken Rosenthal's and fifty Jeff Passons, just over and over and over again, and just wreak havoc. Mm. I'm really interested to see how that's going to go. Obviously, as we get closer to it, we'll find out. But that's that's my take, though. I think the deadline's going to be a little bit of a bust, or at the very least, it's not going to be the Juan Soto deadline. It's not going to be the Max Scherzer deadline. Like, if you think to yourself, okay, who is the big name that, you know, you've seen in rumors? Who is it? You know, leaving leaving Shohei Otani aside, the Angels, I think the Angels could lose the entire roster aside from Otani and still not trade him. I don't think it matters to them. Who Who is, like, the big name you think might move? I mean, I think it's the it's the Cardinals. Like, it's uh, it's Arenado or Goldschmidt. Okay. I think I, it's, well, I'm, it's one I'm, of those two. I'm curious now, and I, 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 I want to look this up just in terms of... Uh, you know, whether or not those guys have no trade clauses in their contracts. Because mm. I think that could be, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm curious. I'm curious. I could definitely see it if they don't. Mm. But um, as far as I can tell, Goldschmidt does not seem to have any kind of no trade clause. Uh, Nolan Arenado also does not seem to have a no trade clause. So, oh, no, Nolan Arenado has a full no trade clause. So, mm. Uh, I would imagine that unless Arenado has just completely soured on St. Louis, he is. He will probably say no. I don't. I don't have any real interest in going anywhere unless I'm going to a, you know, guaranteed 100% title contender. Mm. And well, I mean, I guess that's a potential fun exercise. If if Nolan Arenado were to be moved, who makes the most sense for him? I think there. I, there's one team oh, that jumped the, to mind. The Yankees jumped. Yes, I was going to say that. That's the like, one team that jumped to mind immediately for me. Yeah, is is the Yankees. Um, yeah. I don't know if they're ready to give up on Josh Donaldson, but I can definitely see it happening. Uh, I what think are we Minas- waiting for? I beats me. Every Yankees fan has been asking this question <laughs> for like the last like two years. Like, what on earth are we waiting for? Yeah. Uh, I think you look around the other contenders. Minnesota would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I know they just lost Royce Lewis for the next month plus with an oblique strain he was their regular third baseman now it's juan miranda i don't know that they can really count on that otherwise if i'm a twins fan i just hate this i hate everything like i, I think <laughs> well, that's yeah, the most miserable spot you could be in where you're like we still we get correa back we're building pretty well like you can't really poke a lot of holes in what the twins have tried to do there and Not it's really, just no. like you're a couple games under 500 and you're still going to lose the division to a team that's actively trying not to hit the ball out of the ballpark in cleveland and yeah, just it's- it's, it's just going to suck. Like they're, It's rough. I, I, as someone who just did a three-game series with the Guardians and won it, like that lineup in Cleveland is... <laughs> it is... It's, all, it's really something. It's, it is really something. I mean, when you have Colby Allard just getting through the third time in the order and you're just like, I'm not really concerned. Like you're just... 
you just have your peanuts here and you're just hanging out. You're like, oh, is that Rosario back up? This should be good. Uh, you're just looking through and you're like, is that a catcher bat in 63? All right, there you go. Who is know, this? Right? Yeah, it's, that checks out. Mouse Straw? Can he get it out of the outfield? Out no. of the infield? No, he can't. That, that, that whole outfield is going to combine for fewer homers than Kyle Schwarber will hit by himself. Oh, my God. The by Guardians, a, I genuinely don't margin. know how you could have, in today's launch angle power strikeout era, for the Guardians to build a lineup the way they have, it's almost impossible for them to pull it's, off. It's really impressive. Like, you really have to try. Yeah. You really have to try to make that happen. Free Jose Ramirez. That would be something I would say. Like, but he'll never do it. That no, that'll never. And like, no, if, if Cleveland were to trade him, the fans would uh, be justified to burn the stadium down. Yeah. The other, the other fun Arenado team, I think, and and as you mentioned them before for Tim Anderson, the Marlins. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun, I think. And I also think would be really good for their particular brand of pitching, given how. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, guys like Yuri Perez and Jesus Luzardo just strike everybody out. But in particular, I think for a guy like Sandy Alcantara to have a better defensive infield behind him would be huge. I don't, I don't necessarily know that that's been the problem with Sandy Alcantara. There seem to be many problems, but certainly can't hurt to have you know get gene segura's bat and glove off the roster just has not worked out at all for miami and get a legitimate bat there i guess you know maybe and maybe that's a, a topic of discussion after the break once you know we because i i know a few weeks ago i i just said miami's not a real playoff team their run differential is crap they're not this good whatever shows what i know they are they have 51 wins they have the second most wins in the national league somehow they are three and a half games up on they're really good when they don't have to play the braves yes they're three and a half games up on philadelphia for the uh in they're the first wild card three and a half games up on philly and san francisco for a playoff spot um i I mean i i I feel like i need to dig in and figure out what is going on there beyond it feels like every three or four years there just is this kind of miami team where it's like they don't score any runs but they manage to do just enough and benefit from enough uh, batted ball and situational luck mm-hmm. to get themselves into a playoff spot. I mean, that's what they did in 2020 when they uh, made it as they believe the last wild card and then beat the Cubs in Chicago, which was very funny. But I don't. I mean, I, I that we'll save that take for another day. I'll, I'll do my I'll do my Marlins homework and then I'll issue my the Marlins are for real. The Marlins are fake. Well, I think we could also just say right now in a seven they're a playoff like a team that you don't want to get in a three game series. Uh, against no, or you, like like they're going to be tough regardless of what happens with Alcantara and obviously the really interesting thing for them especially going forward is going to be um, how do they manage Yuri Perez's innings going forward I think the the idea right now is basically to shut him down for a month mm. at some point in the summer and that so he'll still have bullets left uh, for September and potentially October but yeah regardless of what's wrong with Alcantara you do not want a Sandy Alcantara Jesus Luzardo Yuri Perez like trio facing you in the postseason that's that's a bad place to be is yuri perez the most exciting uh young pitching prospect in major league baseball right now 21 scoreless inning streak ended by acuna the other day but outside of that just had to throw that in there i mean he's quietly just like he wasn't even part of our like preview when you're thinking about like the marlins future aces and their collection of aces he wasn't really in that mix of like. I mean, he he could. I mean, he was part of that group. I think with Edward Cabrera and Max Mayer, although Mayer's mm. uh, stock has tumbled significantly since he had Tommy John. 
But, I mean, he was our number one pitching prospect coming into the season in our top 100. He was number three on our... Uh, or, well, sorry, I just mean, no- like, years ago. Like, when we were look- forecasting now, he's pulled up. But it's like, when you ask a, a casual fan, like, who's the Marlins... Like, I think everyone remembered, our, obviously, Sandy Alcantara and company. But, like, Yuri Perez was just not... No, I mean, he, he's he's more under the radar. I think you have to have been a prospect... Uh, yes. A prospect person to have known about Yuri Perez. Also, because he's only 20 years old. Yeah. Which is wild to me. He was born, uh, if I'm reading correctly, six months before the Marlins won the World Series in 2003. Mm-hmm. Which I vividly remember that World Series, and I don't want to think about those numbers anymore. But uh, at the very least, going off our prospect list, yes, we had him as the number one pitching prospect coming into the season. Uh, the next guy we had, the next highest pitcher we had on that list was Andrew Painter with the Phillies, who I think would have been in that kind of same Yuri Perez boat of a unexpected big-time contributor if he hadn't gotten hurt in spring training. Uh, not sure if there's any real chance of him coming back uh, before the end of the season for Philadelphia. Then next guy on that list, Brandon Fott, who has been very bad for Arizona. Grayson Rodriguez, who was very bad for Baltimore and is back in the minors. And then a couple of guys still in the minors, and Ricky Tiedemann for the Blue Jays, Mick Abel with the Phillies, Kyle Harrison with the Giants. You know, the next I think the next closest guy on this list who's made as much of, even as close to as much of an impact as Yuri Perez is Bobby Miller. And mm. Bobby Miller is a great pitcher. He's been very good for the Dodgers, but he is not what Perez has done. So, you know, I think if you're if you wanted to if you want to say, you know, who who is the best pitcher in baseball under the age of twenty five right now? Uh and I'm stalling here so I can look up how old Spencer Strider is. Well, it's Spencer Strider. I was going to say, um, he's not 25. There's no way. He is 24. But I yeah. think Yuri Perez is very much already in that discussion of, you know, a real future ace for this for this Marlins team. It's really special and really impressive what he does. I like it. And I think the Marlins are going to be a playoff team. Um, who I don't think is going to be a playoff team, John Taylor. Yes. You texted me this. The Angels are having the most Angels luck humanly yeah. possible. Just Mike Trout with one of the all-time insane injuries. Otani you, goes you love down. the handmade bone fracture. It just... What, it, like, it's what do you just even do most... if you're an Angels fan? Like, what, it, what, what well, do you even the, do right the, now? The handmade bone stuff is like, there's no precursor to that. That's not something where it's like, those are that's a freak injury that happens to like half a dozen guys every year where they just take a weird swing, where they take a mm. swing and this tiny bone at the base of your hand near the wrist just breaks and that's it and there's nothing you can do about it you just have to let it you know heal there's no need for surgery it just heals on its own i remember the first time i heard about it was when jose guillen broke his hand Hmm. broke the handmade bone in like in 2002 i think when he was on the angels because he wasn't Hmm. available for them in that world series if i remember correctly but either way it's um, an angel's problem it, it very much is an angel's problem um I'm just I'm just curious now. He no, he was not on the Angels in 2002. He was on the Angels in 2004. That's what it mm. was. Um, boy, Jose Guillen played for a lot of teams in his career. He made Regardless. it through. He was like hey, Jose Guillen was uh, as the kids say. He was a bucket for a little bit. The dude had some homers in him. He he had he some was, dingers in him every year. He was three of those emojis with steam coming out of the nose. <laughs> yes, um, I believe is the the preferred NBA terminology. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I mean if you're the Angels, look you. We knew it is the annual Mike Trout injury at this point. The last time he got through a season, well, I mean, you, you look at you look at his numbers overall. The last time Mike Trout played anything approaching a full season in terms of games was 2019, when he played 134 games, having at that point one of the best seasons of his career. Got hurt toward the end of the season, couldn't finish the season. 
Here's his games played total or his games played per season since. This can be terrible, John. Uh, well, 2020 is actually finds is 53 out of 60. So actually, I should okay. say he was healthy for that season. Although the 2020 season remains one of the weirdest things any of us. And have also, we don't know what we can extrapolate what that would have looked like for a whole year. For of him. course, yeah. Uh, 2021, 36 games played. 2022, 119 games played. And so far in 2023, 81 games played with uh, all likelihood that he is not going to be back on the field till at minimum the beginning or middle of August, I think is probably the most optimistic timeline of us seeing Mike Trout. So, yeah, if you're the Angels, unfortunately, you just have to bake that in now to your calculations and projections that you are probably going to be without Mike Trout for at minimum 30 to 40 games. The problem is there's no real way you can plan for that because it's not as if there are easy replacements for Mike Trout in existence, you know? No. There's the the Angels and I, I you know, Dan Zimborski who wrote up uh, the Trout injury for us a, f- a couple days ago made the point the Angels perhaps more than any other team are so super reliant on their superstar-led roster that there's just there's no real way to make up for that. You know, similarly, if Otani were to get hurt, I mean, if Otani gets hurt, that's the end of the Angel season in totality. But I thought you were going to say with Mickey Moniak with this WERC plus of uh, 161 gets hurt, that's the end of the year for Mickey the Mickey Moniak. Uh, this is fun. This is also from Dan's piece, and I, I want to share it with people because it just it kills me. It is just one of the it. It's one of those things where when I saw it, I was like, that's not possible. Like that's not. <laughs> Like that's not a stat or or a stat relation that makes any sense to me, but mm. I'll uh, I'll include it here. Sorry, just one sec. I want I want to pull it up because I don't think Moniac has enough plate appearances to qualify uh, on leaderboards. So mm. I want to I want to get Dan's Dan's exact phrasing. Mm. <clears throat> there are also good reasons to be skeptical of Moniac's unexpected 2023 line for the Halos. His power has been impressive at times, a 16.7 percent barrel percentage but it has been inconsistent with his hard hit percentage down around 35%. A big factor in that is that his plate discipline is dreadful with an out of zone swing rate at 49.2%. For context, and this is Dan still, that's a worse number than Javier Baez has ever achieved over a season. Mickey Moniak has a worse out of zone swing rate than a player who I swear to God, I think is blindfolded half the time when he goes to the plate. So if you're if you're thinking that maybe Mickey Moniak is the guy who steps up, I hate to say it, I think Mickey Moniak is way more likely to collect like a grand total of two hits in the month of August because, well, for starters, this is the Angels. But you know, obviously, you know, if you're the Angels, there's just no real way to replace Trout. Like we, you know, we joked about maybe the seventh time is the ch- is is the is the right time for Joe Adele, but pretty clear the Angels don't have anything approaching the the kind of internal reinforcements needed to make up for that kind of loss. You know, unless Hunter Renfro gets hotter than the surface of the sun, you know, I don't really see who on that roster is is going to be able to step up and, and take or be that kind of big power guy uh, anywhere at all in the lineup. It's really on Otani once again. You know, you, you can, I mean, I think there, there are two ways to go about it if you are the Angels. You can say, well, that Trout injury is probably the end of us, and by our playoff odds, we agree. You know, uh, something else Dan wrote in his piece is that the losing Trout for let's say, you know, uh, basically two months, the Angels go from a projected 83 and 79 to 81 and 81, which, you know, that's two wins. It's not, doesn't sound huge, but consider particularly where the Angels are. They're not going to win the division. They're in the, they're four games back of a while of the last wild card spot. Their playoff odds with Trout, or if Trout had stayed unhurt and played out the rest of the season, just shy of 30%. Their projected uh, postseason odds with Trout missing two months, 17%. 
That's a really, really big drop. That is a huge drop. That puts them below, I think, every every one of those soft sellers and obviously closer to the territory of a team like the White Sox or, you know, say, uh, you know, I guess the Cubs than, than any kind of contender. So, you know, you can say, okay, well, if that's the case, if our playoff odds are below one in five, <coughs> excuse me, you know, we close up shop, we sell what we can sell, you know, we accept that this is the end of the Otani-Trout era and move on from there. To me, though, I, I know I argued this before Trout even got hurt, but I think double down. Mm. Double down and go hard after whatever you can to make this team good enough to get into the post. Well, they already did that. They traded for Eduardo Escobar and uh, Mike Moustakis, John. Clearly, that is exactly what the Angels need to do. Although, I will say, and in, in to I like snarking on the Angels. It's very easy, and it's also very fun. But trading for a guy like Eduardo Escobar is the kind of thing the Angels do need to be doing, even if he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily, he's not a star, and, and Moustakis even less so. They just needed bodies. <laughs> to but that's put, the yeah. thing, when you're when you're in a situation where Trout is hurt, where Anthony Rendon, you can't necessarily count on him being upright and mobile and even anything close to average for longer than about 10 days at a time, mm-hmm. you need to have major league caliber, as you said, bodies, essentially, to be able to step in and fill the breach. But what the Angels need to do now is they need to go very... I think the Angels need to go very hard after... Essentially, pick the spot on the team you think needs the most help and go from there. And I think if you're looking at the Angels roster overall, if you're looking to see where the issues is issues are, first base is a really good place to start. Goldschmidt um, is a halo. Come on down. Look, if the Angels can somehow pull off an absolutely incredible Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt combo trade. Like the Dodgers from back in the day. Just pull off something like that. That would be top notch. I would love that. That would be great. It would be. I don't think, th- I mean, I don't, it can't imagine there's any way the Angels can make that work as currently yeah. constructed, but. It would be incredible though. I think if you're looking at places where there is room to upgrade, first base is obviously a big one. I think shortstop, depending on what happens with Zach Neto, is another possibility. Uh, to me, the biggest I think the biggest one is getting a reliable extra starter behind Otani and behind Reed Detmers. Patrick Sandoval has not really worked out for them uh, this season. Griffin Canning has been fine, but I don't think it's a guy you can really lean on. Tyler Anderson has not worked. They've not really been able to figure out uh, even a consistent six starter, which I think is another thing, given Otani's need for uh, that extra rest, for that uh, six-man rotation. And ideally, you know, it would behoove the Angels to go out and get another arm like that. Granted, I mean, maybe that's Jaime Berea going forward. Uh, maybe that's uh, – maybe they give uh, Tucker Davidson a chance. I don't know. It's, you know, maybe there's an, a, another young guy in their system who they want to try to make happen again, like Chase Silseth or uh, another one of their young starters. But I, I – and that's the thing. I think – Honestly, and this is weird to say about the Angels, this is not a bad team. No. This is not a team that, like, I mean, right now they are roughly 500, uh, give or take. They are, Mm. yeah, they're 45 and 44. Again, they're four games back of the last wildcard spot. They've had a bad stretch for it lately. They've lost three straight. They're they're three and seven in their last ten. But, you know, they have a positive run differential. They have a good bullpen. They have two good frontline starters in Otani and Detmers. They have obviously the best player on the planet in Otani in both the lineup and the rotation. They have some decent depth uh, around around them with guys like Brandon Drury, who granted is hurt, but you know should hopefully be back soon. In Renfro, in Taylor Ward, in Matt Tice, like there is, you know, there is a supporting cast here strong enough at the very least, I think, to get this team into a wild card spot. Maybe I mean, look, 
maybe it's the third maybe it's the third wild card and maybe all that amounts to is getting waxed in the first round you know by but by that's whoever a it step is you up, man like but that's I, a step for, and you have yeah. to do it you have yeah. to do it you cannot you cannot let the last year of Shohei Otani in Anaheim and it is the last year of Shohei Otani in, Ana, in Anaheim barring uh 29 other baseball teams literally evaporating some at some point over the offseason you have to you cannot let the last year of Otani in Anaheim go by without the no. postseason you can't you have to figure it out. You have to do whatever you can. Like I said last time, you push your chips in. You know, yep. I know the Angels do not have the kind of farm system designed to be able to make big, uh, like, you know, essentially life-changing trades or, or whatever you want to call it. You look at our 2023 Angels top prospect list. It came out roughly a month ago. You know, two of their top guys in Logan Ohapi and Zach Neto are, one, already on the Major League roster, and two, both of them are hurt. Um, and then you have a, this is, it's a shallow system and it has Mm. been a shallow system for a while. This has been a consistent problem with the angels. They just do not develop, have not developed talent well in the last really seven years. It's been a bit, you know, Mm. but I think there is enough you can do. And I think there is, there are upgrades you can make. I don't, I don't think the Angels need to go out and get a superstar. I think I, I made this point last time. I, even without Trout, I think that's still the case. And again, I don't think there's going to be a, that big superstar available on the block anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can get yourself into a position where you can get another starter, maybe get another uh, useful outfield bat from somewhere. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure who would qualify under that, but you know, maybe there's a guy out there you think works for you. Um, Alex Verdugo. And that's the thing. Like, I think, especially if Boston does fall out of it, I think that's a really good place to go shopping for bats. I think mm-hmm. Justin Turner would be a really good fit in in Anaheim. You know, plug him in wherever. You, at first base, I think he'd be he would solve a lot of problems. If the Angels yeah. come out of the deadline with some combo of say Justin Turner, uh, you know, we'll we'll say Lance Lynn for now, or perhaps uh, someone more like uh, you know Jack Flaherty, and you know an additional bat somewhere in there. I think that's a pretty good deadline for them, and I think it's what they should pursue honestly because, again, you have to make it happen. You have to make it work. You cannot just say, well, now we're out, Mike Trout. Season's over. Sorry, everybody. Come back next year. We're closed for the year. Moose out front should have told you. Like, you have to You have to make the effort. You just You just have to. I love that vacation reference. It's, you got you to shoehorn them in whenever you can. Also, did you know that the, the Angels have a prospect named Walbert? Walbert. I- yeah, and also someone named Denzer Guzman, Walbert. which is an incredible name. Like I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a moment here and to read my favorite names from our Angels top prospect list: uh, Walbert like Urena, Caden Dana, uh-huh. which is two first names okay. somehow. Uh, yeah, Colton Ingram with a K, Kyron like Paris, Denzer Guzman, which I think is my favorite. Capri Ortiz, mm. that's actually really good. Okay. Oh no, I found a new favorite: Keithel Key. <laughs> K-E-Y-T-H-E-L key. Mm. Uh, and then Werner Blakely. Crohn's like evil twin. Yes. Landon Marceau. The, there's, there's some good names here. There's Mo. I just like the name Mo Hanley. That's just a really solid name. Mo Hanley. Too close um, to Joe Adele for me. And it gives it would give me nightmares as an angel. Yeah. Imagine if the imagine if the angels got to a point where they had Joe and Mo in the lineup at the same time. Too much. They, they had Willie Mo Pena at one point, right? I think everyone had Willie Mopena at some point. <laughs> everyone tried. Everyone tried to take the Willie Mopena ride at some point, and mm. then when it inevitably like crashed after the first turn, decided, you know what? No more of that. 
He should have gotten one world title. Like the one he should have been like the one Jorge Soler run. Adam Duvall, like I would have liked to have seen him get one. Duvall, of those I think, is another guy the Angels would be yeah. very smart. I think if they could figure out some kind of package deal with Boston for Turner and Duvall, I think that would go a long way toward helping them overcome the loss of Trout. And I think you it's just the kind want of the move that Red Sox to sell so bad. He's just like get. He, you know, John is over thing. here, I just like no, take them all, like take I them all. The, I want to watch meaningful baseball in August and September and October, ideally. But this Red Sox team, not to turn this into yet another Red Sox thing, they're not going to win the division. They're not even going to come close to winning the division. Mm. They are four games out of a playoff spot right now. They have some of the worst pitching in the in the league. They have a lineup that is very inconsistent. They don't really seem to have any. They've, they're running out of pitching depth at a, a terrifying rate. You know, I think, you know, if you want to read, I think there is write, enough writing on the wall for that team to go, listen, we have one-year rentals who are not part of our future, who are not, you know, going to be of any value to us in 2024 going forward. This team is not, you know, is not a real contender. Even if it does sneak into a wild card spot, it's not good enough to, to, to take, really go anywhere forward from there. I know you could have said the same about the Phillies last year, but that team also had a lineup of Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto and Trey Turner, and, or not Trey Turner, sorry. Different circumstances. Different circumstances. Um, Similar I don't think, GM. I don't think it's here for this Red Sox team. And again, Miller, I think excuse me. they probably have the best collection of one-year rental talent available between Turner, James Paxton, Kenley Jansen, Adam Duvall, uh, some other lesser guys on that roster. I think there's a lot they can do with that group. I don't really think they're going to be able to buy either enough because that farm system still isn't strong enough, I think. And in part, the the team has put the front office has put such an emphasis on deepening that farm system. I don't think they want to touch it unless they can move some guys they don't really feel strongly about anyway. I think the idea in Boston right now is accumulate as many cost-controlled guys as possible. And if that's the case, then you should do it by moving the guys who have no control going forward. I don't like it. I want to watch a winning team. I don't care about a Red Sox team that's just playing out the string, starting, you know, Josh Winkowski and uh, Cutter Crawford's been good, so I don't want to trash Cutter Crawford. You know, starting Brandon Walter and Chris Murphy down the stretch, or 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 playing, you know, uh, Rob Ref Snyder every single day. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But I also have to recognize that is probably what this team needs to do in order to make itself better going forward is to move those guys who don't have any value going forward next year, who you're almost unlikely to re-sign, especially for guys like Turner and Jansen, who I think are probably just going to keep doing one-year contracts with contenders where they can. Get something while you can for them. You know, I don't think it's a good idea to let those guys linger, especially I also don't know if you if those are really guys you want to explore contract extensions with either. You know, Jansen, Turner, Duvall, Paxson, all on the wrong side of 30. Paxson in particular, a, a huge injury risk every time. He's pitched phenomenally. And that's kind of the thing. Like you want to cash that chip in while it's still while it's still hot, essentially. So I could see I could see like honestly, if you're the Angels, why don't you just call Boston up and go, what would it take to get all three of Turner, Duval, and Paxton? Mm. What would that look like? You know? I don't know if there's actually a match there. I don't know if the Angels have what the Red Sox are looking for, but I think that's the kind of player, the the tier of player they can be looking into. Who are guys who won't won't further ruin the farm system? Who are not going to cost them any of the young guys they need to compete going forward, necessarily, but will improve their current state of things so that they can stay in that kind of, uh, I guess we'll call it eighty-three to eighty-six win territory that they're going to need to be in in order to make it to the playoffs. Because I think I think that's the thing: you are not going to make the postseason uh, in the American League with fewer than eighty-four wins. I don't think. Mm. You know, I mean, just looking at again, looking at our projected numbers. Uh, 
for the wild card teams. 87 wins for the Blue Jays, 88 wins for the Yankees, 86 or 87 wins for the Orioles. We have an 86 and a half, so, you know, split the difference. 89 wins for both the Rangers and the Astros, 84 wins for the Twins. 84 feels like the floor to me. You know, hmm. I think there might be room in there for maybe an 83, but I think if you're the Angels, you need to do everything you can to make sh- to, to to build a roster that is better than 500 for the rest of the season because you're not going to make it in as a 500 team. There are too many better teams. The AL East being as, as deep as it is and Texas being, uh, I think, good, not just good, but great, I think, earlier than we expected, has pretty much eliminated any chance of sneaking into the postseason as a 500 or you know adjacent team. You've got to be at least, I think, in that 80, 83 to 84 win range. I like it. Final thing here, John. Yes. MLB, biggest all-star snub for you was who? Can I be honest? I actually had completely forgotten that they had done all-star <laughs> rosters mm-hmm. um, to the point where until I saw the outline you sent over for the all-star mm-hmm. game or for or the for the for this episode rather, mm-hmm. I I could not have named the all-stars. Well, it's like easy. Not- uh, just if you guessed a Atlanta Brave or a Los okay, Angeles well. Dodger, guess Why? what? You filled out the entire NL lineup. <laughs> In their defense, <laughs> two really good teams with a lot of really good players. Yes. Um, going sh- going solely, I think, by wins above replacement uh, in terms of guys who are not there who probably should be there. Uh, I mean, but that's the thing, though. You you, I, I feel like it is hard. Is Dan a snub? I guess. I mean, he's sixteenth in WAR. Among qualified players, or I think qualified Dansby's batters. a snub. Like Orlando Arcia starting, and it's just it's it, it hurts that much more for Dansby, and it hurts like just Orlando Arcia is an all star. That's just what I mean, a world. Look, the, I, and he's that's, deserving. That's, well, this there there this is the thing about all about all star rosters. The first is that fans doing the voting means you're gonna end up with starters who shouldn't be starting. Or you're right, yeah. Orlando Arcia should not be starting an all star game. That's really cool for Orlando Arcia. Like good for him. That's not a like Josh Young should not be starting an all-star game. No. He's fine. He's fine, but that's not an all-star, you know? Uh, like Can we also I, say that Wander Franco not making this is just like yeah, Wander Franco should be this like Corey Seager's fantastic, but yeah. Wander Franco should probably be the starting shortstop for the American League. Although again, the the other part of this is and I, I've mostly come around on this. If you insist that every team needs to be represented, then you are inevitably going to end up with guys who don't make it because it, it just creates an impossible numbers game. Mm. And I I do think there is genuine value to that, to having guys there uh, for every team so that every fan base does feel represented. Granted, I don't think A's fans are going to watch the All-Star game wondering when Brent Rooker is going to get into the game. I don't think Red Sox fans are turning on the All-Star game, like, hoping that Kenley Jansen pitches in relief. I I really don't think Rockies, like, I did not know Elias Diaz made the all Looking over the Rockies roster to pick an All-Star must be the most depressing experiment. I mean, Ryan McMahon's been good. He's an all-star. Also, Dancy Swanson did make the all-star team. He's a reserve. Yeah. He, you could argue he should be starting over Orlando Arcia, but again, at this, but then you also Elias look at Dansby's Diaz, numbers. All-star catcher. Dansby Swanson has a 754 OPS, a 108 WRC+, and while he's got close to three wins above replacement by our numbers, the great majority of that is uh, thanks to his defense. Mm. You know, those are not, he does not have the numbers, I think, particularly with casual fans, where they're going to look at, look at him and go, oh yeah, that guy needs to be there. Yeah. I I don't really feel like that is the case. You know, if you want, 
I think uh, I was gonna say Will Smith, but no, he made it too. I think a guy like Haseon Kim probably hmm. has uh, some legitimate gripe there. I mean, he's hitting three eighty four, four thirty seven, four seventy six. Um, or, no, I'm sorry, I just read Luis Arias's line. Oopsie. I was gonna say um, that, that, that's, that's he's having a better year like, than I. Haseon Kim is at the greatest season <laughs> in history. Um, okay, Kim is. I think Kim has had Swanson like numbers. Mm. So I, you know, if you can say okay, Danzy Swanson should be there, then why not Haseon Kim? They've basically been the same player. You know, but if you're if you're arguing that your first most visible, um, what was I going to say? If your first most visible snub is Haseon Kim, then I think the folks putting together the All Star team did a pretty good job. You know, like you're, you, you, and I think you know you've got a good mix of players. You look at the lineup again. I, Josh Young as an All Star starter, fine, whatever. And they're going to have to replace Trout in the outfield, obviously, but. Randy Rosarain is going to be there. Aaron Judge is going to be there. Shohei Otani is going to be there. Adley Rutschman, Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, Jose Ramirez, Wander Franco, Luis Robert Jr., Jordan Alvarez if he's healthy, Kyle Tucker, Julio Rodriguez, again, Otani, although he's not going to pitch, Garrett Cole, Luis Castillo. Like, the, these are the names that belong there. Kevin Gaussman, Framber Valdez. Like, I guess is the other way to look at it. When you look at the all-star rosters, you know, and keeping in mind, of course, the whole you have to have one guy from every team, is there anyone who really jumps out where you're like, what on earth is this guy doing there? Well, I mean, we'll again, see. Like, yeah. I, I think the one for me where I saw him and, and you know, and this, this I think says more about just how that I haven't necessarily been paying attention. Lourdes Gurriel making the all-star team is kind of weird. Yeah. I, I don't really know that that's a guy who he's had a perfectly fine season in Arizona I don't really know that he's a guy who needed to be there. Arizona's already represented both with Corbin Carroll and Zach Allen, so clearly that was not just because they needed a Diamondback. You know, if you're looking at NL outfielders who didn't make it, who I think, you know, you could argue should be there instead. Um, Christian, uh, actually, there's a good one. Where is Christian Yelich? Is he having an all-star type of year? I, he, by our calculations, he's got the 17th most war hmm. of any player in baseball, hitting 286, 380, 450, 127 WRC plus, uh, 10 home runs, 20 steals. He's been fin- he's been phenomenal. Why is Christian Yelich not on the All Star team? Fatigue. They're like he's just he's entering a new phase. That's where... a, that's a really strange one. I mean, I know Milwaukee is already represented with Devin Williams, but I, I, maybe that's one where it's like I don't really know that having Lords Guriel Jr. there over Christian Yelich makes a ton of sense. Similarly, it is a little strange that basically the entire Atlanta starting lineup gets to go to the All Star game. Granted, they're the best team in baseball. I get it, but don't you dare. But either way, I think the other part of this too is you got to remember that also might know, have sixty home runs by the break. Yes. Um, look, I, I didn't even mention Ronald Acuna Jr. being there because I didn't even get to the National League with all the superstars. Well, I mean, he's there. just yeah. I think I'm, MVP. I, perpetually, I am more excited for the home run derby. Speaking of that, than the All Star game at all. But I think the yeah. other thing that you have to remember when it comes to the All Star snub stuff, a lot of these guys are either not going to make or not going to appear or not going to be on the roster ultimately because they either pitched on the Sunday before the break. A lot of these starters probably will not be there. Uh, some of these guys are already hurt. Like I said, Trout, uh, the only guys who are already hurt, Trout, Judge, Jordan Alvarez, Shane McClanahan, uh, all, uh, Clayton Kershaw, all five of those folks will not be at the All-Star game. All five of their roster spots will be taken by someone else. So whoever those guys are who are not going to be there or who, you've, who we decided are snubs, they're probably going to make it anyway. Hmm. You know, They're going to get chosen as alternates and replacements. Um, are they still doing the final five vote thing? Or did they finally realize that, that was stupid and nobody cared about it? It's a good question. I don't know. 
Um, so, you know, when you look at guys uh, like, uh, say, Christian Walker or Jack Sawinski or, or Christian Yelich or Kettle Marte, you know, where you can have uh, William Contreras, where you can make a, an argument that it's like, look, should they be all-star starters? No. Have they had great seasons? Yes. Are they snubs? Eh, sort of, kind of. They're probably going to be there at some point. You know, they're they're probably going to make it. And so I think, you know, I I, I, I don't... That's the thing. I, I've also kind of like... Nobody really cares about the All-Star game. We can, be, we can admit that, right? Nobody cares about the All-Star game. I think that's... Actually, I, I, I should note... Um, sorry, they... I, I made a mistake. The guys I mentioned who are hurt and will not be there have already been replaced. Wander yeah. Franco replaced Judge. Kyle Tucker replaced Trout. Julio Rodriguez replaced Jordan Alvarez. Okay. Jordan Kirby replaced Shane McClanahan. And David Bednar replaced Clayton Kershaw. So mm. if you want if you want to talk snubs, at least before those additions were made, how did Wander Franco not make the All-Star team? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like He's that's a snub insane. because he, was, he didn't make the team. I don't count injuries because I think Logan okay, Webb got in fair. by injury like... Um, I think... Yeah, I just I don't count the injuries because if the injuries, I just yeah no can't do it. I also I'd like to note uh, just because I there, I you know I read uh, I read it every day the Athletics wind up newsletter uh, mm-hmm. written by Levi Weaver that always has uh, Ken Rosenthal doing a little notes bit. Mm-hmm. I read it today. He was talking about the starting pitchers you could expect to see moved. The one name that I was trying to remember could not remember earlier that I think would be maybe and not by not because of anything I think he's done this season but just because of the name value that I think is another dude who. You know, depending on where, depending on how Cleveland feels about things, uh, Shane Bieber, I think, is mm. another guy who has potential to be moved uh, only under contract for one more year. We know Cleveland is not the team, not a team that spends, uh, particularly on pitching, considering that they just create pitchers out of lint and hot dogs when they get the opportunity. So, uh, Bieber, another guy, I think, maybe on the move, but I, I, I don't really see just to, I guess, go full circle, go all the way back to it. Uh, if you know if the deadline is guys like Bieber and Paxton getting moved, I you know I, I don't know that that really qualifies as much of a deadline. And I also again really don't think you're going to see much in the way of, of hitters being moved. There you go, John Taylor. What can the good folks check out from you and the team over at uh, Fangraphs.com this week? So over at Fangraphs, we are wrapping up our top prospects lists. We have run the Mariners and the Padres in recent days. We have the Cubs coming out tomorrow ahead of the draft yes for those of you who are either big time college baseball sickos or our prospect fiends we have the draft coming up this weekend mlb and its infinite wisdom moved the draft to all-star weekend because they hate everyone who works in baseball apparently mm. uh, our first mock draft by eric longenhagen went out today if you're at all curious his number one pick is dylan cruz followed by paul Skeens, followed by wyatt langford followed by Max Clark, followed by Walker Jenkins, followed by Brayden Taylor, followed by Kyle Teal, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. I am sorry to say that your boy Chase Dollander, number 15 in our mock, I'm oh. even sorrier to say he has been mocked to the Chicago White Sox, which is well, pretty much a kiss I mean, of death. They, hey, hold on. They have some... I mean, they... they... There's look, it's, it's like, better. It's better than him ending up in the Rockies. At the very I was going to say that's where I've seen the most, and I don't want that to happen. Like, it's, yeah, it's it. That's rough. It's a rough one. But mm-hmm. uh, check out Eric's mock draft. Check out our board as well, where we have updated draft rankings. Like I said, we are wrapping up our 2023 top prospects list. Once we have Chicago out, we will just have Texas outstanding, and then it'll be done. Uh, other big stuff coming in the month of July. Jay Jaffe's replacement level killer series, where he looks at all the teams around the league or at least all the contenders to see where they're particularly struggling where they could stand to make some improvements always a really good read ahead of the deadline so you can get a sense of where each contender kind of needs to make a move 
the other big piece or series we'll be running is Ben Clemens doing our 2023 trade value series. Again, also great reading before the deadline to get a sense of who has the most value relative to each other. Those are both coming uh, after the All-Star break, so keep an eye out for that. But for this week, again, it's draft time. Come Go on to read our mock draft. Check out the board. Uh, get you know get all your updated draft rankings. Learn about this Dylan Cruz fellow who has kind of a Chris Bryant uh, appearance to him now that I'm looking at him on our homepage. And if you like the content you see on Fangraphs, if you want to keep supporting the work we're doing, if you want to support particularly Eric, who is a tireless, tireless man at this time of year, Sign up for a subscription to Fangraphs. It is $10 a month or $60 a year. Gets you ad-free browsing and a bunch of other cool little perks. Come on to Fangraphs. We baseball do good. Yeah. There you go. Fangraphs.com. And it's also the app's great. I like going through the app every day. The app it's is great. I, you know, I, I, I definitely want to shout out the app, too. You can see leaderboards there now on the app. Mm-hmm. That's a recent thing we've added. You can read articles on the app. It's a great time. Very clean. Very, very clean. Very, 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 very clean. And also, for those of you who have made the transition over, Fangraphs is on Blue Sky, the sort of kind of Twitter replacement, uh, because Twitter is dying. If you are a, if you are a Blue Sky member and you want to get your Fangraphs links outside of Twitter or from visiting Fangraphs.com, follow us on Blue Sky. I don't know if we'll be do, if we'll be joining Threads, mostly because every screenshot I've seen of Threads makes me want to like turn my skin inside out. Just from it's just nothing but uh brands and influencers and i kind of wish that we could just put them all in one place physically and lock the doors <laughs> and never let any of them out but maybe we'll join threads too we'll see but if nothing else we're on blue sky come find us on blue sky if you're on blue sky blue sky there you go john taylor always a pleasure and i will talk to you next week nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.